What do you think this episode is called? Like the documentary? The Office as a documentary? The Office as documentary? The, the PBS documentary? The documentary format? I don't know. The documentary. Uh, Let's just do it. The, the documentary. Okay. Hey, how about that film crew? <laughs> out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed, call Andy and Kelly. For your business paper needs or Dundermip. Then the people purchase paper, people Dundermip. Then the people purchase paper, people Dundermip. Then the people purchase paper, people. Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host and super unprofessional boom operator, Sean Roney. <laughs> and I'm Edwin Jaynes, founder of Diversity Tomorrow, because today is almost over. And with us, as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Red alert! Red alert! The reviews are in. I repeat, the reviews are in. What? I just got a text from my brother, ScrantonTimesTribune.com. There's a review of the documentary. <sighs> what does it say? I don't know, Phyllis. I just got the text and started screaming red alert. Well, the alert was already set to red because of Stairmageddon. You think I should set it to double red? I think we should. I think we should. <laughs> Every week we get together and discuss our favorite show, NBC's The Office. Uh, this week we are finally doing the documentary, the play within the play, the mm. PBS documentary the documentary format we'll get into it we don't know what we're titling this episode yet <laughs> we still don't know what should we do <laughs> uh, after that um uh, we'll head to the conference room where we got lots of listener uh, feedback uh, on this topic mm -hmm. so uh, we'll have some questions um addressing uh, the documentary um you know before we get started if you're in the aurora denver colorado area i think there's still uh, some Ryan started the fire available at Lady Justice oh, Brewing. Get your hands so get, on it. Get <laughs> your hands on it. I'm sure uh, it's it's going to run out eventually. And um, uh, uh, check that out. Uh, and then um, and then just check it in. We we've been out, gone for a week. How are you guys doing? We have taken a week off. Uh, mm -hmm. We had a weird just sudden winter storm here in Portland. That was a little strange. Yep. Uh, you mean it snowed one day? <laughs> yeah, which I, which for mid-April in uh, in Portland mm -hmm. is just nutty. Hey, I it said it best. Sometimes it snows in April. <laughs> Edwin is is visiting Portland right now, and I was supposed to see him. We were all supposed to hang out, but yeah. I am living in a house covided right now. <laughs> um, I uh, Ryan uh, un unfortunately is is sick with COVID, but she's she's doing okay. Um, did get a little sick for sure. Somehow I am not catching it. You sound um, a little sick. I do. I, 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 I mean, the weather's You're weird right now six. too. I think it's been lonely. It's just been lonely. <laughs> the virus took one look at you and said, no, thank you. <laughs> I think, I mean, I just coincidentally, I've, I've got, I've had bad allergies and all this stuff, but I'm not testing positive. Huh? You've COVID, always kept bowls of dirt around bizarre. the house. You know, <laughs> yes. Good on you. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. Hand desanitizing stations. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's good to be back, though. It's yeah, it good has, to be it back. It's been a week off. We've been uh, there's been lots going on. Good stuff. Yeah. But, well, it, uh, yeah. We, here we go. 
we were able to take some more time to address today's topic because I feel like this is an episode I personally have been excited to do ever since we started doing this podcast. Three years, listener. He just has it just every day. A text me. Come on, guys. Can we do it today? Doc day? Doc day? It's like, dude, I don't know, man. Um, but really, I mean, this is a, it, it feels like a big topic and, uh, and I don't, we'll, we'll, you know, Edwin, what, what do you have to say about the, the documentary? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for passing the baton to me. I have, I have so much to say. I'll be back in an this hour. Is, <laughs> we're calling this the Ed Wintro now. <laughs> <laughs> There's the intro. There's the Ed Wintro. All right, no pressure. Uh, break it down. Maybe we get net outro too. For this episode, we are dedicating it to the way that the documentary format shapes and influences and frames the show. The the documentary format is such a defining and iconic element of The Office, and we wanted to take the time today to talk about the character interviews and testimonials, the way that the, the camera shots are taken around The Office, and, and kind of how the character inter characters interact with the cameras in their quote-unquote real life, and just how that is such a defining sort of element of the show. It, it influences kind of every little moment and scene, um, obviously through the camera work, but it's something that we, so many different questions about The Office for all the way through all nine seasons touch on this topic in some form mm -hmm. or function. And it's a way for us to kind of talk about it all at once. This is a very big topic. Uh, one that I, I feel like, I don't know that we've got a similar We've done something similar to this in the past. After after all these episodes, not really. But, uh, but we're gonna try it today, and I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think the only comparable thing we've done is Thursday night comedy done right, um, which where we just addressed yeah. the, the night of programming that the office. Boy, we were at. just shooting from the hip early, in the early <laughs> days, huh, boys? That was like episode eight. <laughs> Wow. I am excited this because because like you said, Sean, like this, our podcast, we do episodes about characters, right? This is a show about all these different characters, but the documentary is the show's character, if that makes sense, right? Mm. Like that is, if, if you were to look at a history of sitcoms, like The Office, that character, that show is, is this format. So um, lots to talk about. And even in planning this, all, us talking about it, it was like, oh, what about this? Oh, and there's, you could look at it from this side too. And then even mm -hmm. like Michael's need to make little documentaries or like, there's so many different <laughs> parts. <laughs> there's shows within shows within shows. I think too, one thing that I think we're, that'll be unique about this, we'll have a little bit more structure, which is to mm -hmm. say, I think we're going to talk about some of the documentary and mockumentary things that kind of preceded mm -hmm. The Office. We'll obviously dig into how that format uh, touches on online seasons and then some of the shows that followed in the office. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's become a very popular style since the office, maybe because of the office. Um, but, uh, but we'll get to that um, to start for, for a little context, the, the documentary uh, and, and the mockumentary as a, as a genre, right? I mean, it, the goal of the documentary, it said to, to, to document reality primarily for the purposes of instruction, education, or maintaining a, a historical record. So within that context, I think The Office was made, we know it's a PBS documentary. Um, it, perhaps it's, it, its function was to uh, maintain a historical record of uh, 
people working in an American workplace, the office, uh, during during this time period, the early 2000s. You wonder if it was a uh, like a, a documentary about the economics of like or it was pitched as like, let's let's document this office culture because and especially in this paper company, because that I mean, if you look at when they would would have done that advents of way more Internet usage, you'd think. Let's make a documentary of of an industry that's going to die. Let's watch it die together, uh, and so that way it is kind of a nature documentary. Totally. I think too, yeah. with some documentaries, they almost focus on really, really small stories, and you see what's going on. Like, like very compelling things often come from uh, a very small focus or something that is a very ordinary focus. Mm-hmm. I guess, kind of to use the uh, the office's own language. Um, so that, that's that's part of it, I think. Totally. And, and this and this is what we've seen in. I mean, we can talk about all the all all the documentaries that were made that kind of led up to being able to make fun of it, and then being able to make a TV show out of a movie format. I think, I think, yeah. I for this, I thought it would be kind of fun to think of documentaries that maybe could have inspired the writers of of The sure. Office. I don't know if they've seen these movies. I couldn't find any quotes on them or anything, but you know, just great character documentaries. There's um, Grey Gardens is this movie about these two women who are part of the Kennedy family living in a house that's rotting and falling down. And they just have these visions of grandeur and they're just the whole time talking to the camera as if there's not like herds of raccoons running through their house and things like that. It's totally like you get, you know, uh, you get a whiff of, like the clueless Michael Scott um, American movie uh, is all about these two filmmakers in the Midwest who are just these regular guys making a horror movie again, just like so committed to making the next great American horror movie that they don't even realize how outrageous they, they are. Um, uh, some other ones, King of Kong, uh, Queen of Versailles, Overnight is all about the director of Boondock Saints. That guy is a, <laughs> is a real piece of work. The, apparently, Boondock Saints was all about making his band famous and not really making a movie. Uh, but check that one out sometime. It's it really great. connected with the one Luke Cooper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, but then, of course, I mean, you know, The Office is a mockumentary. It's a fake documentary. Um, which, you know, you guys, I, I'm sure, love Christopher Guest movies, Spinal Tap. Of course. Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, Mighty Wind. These all came out before uh, 2005 when The Office aired. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing that we also should acknowledge is the BBC Office is of the very, very yeah, direct. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. The parent is just sure. that, that, that it's course. almost too no, obvious to say, but we should say <laughs> it anyway. say of The course, Office, of it's as a whole office property in, in the yes. context of this uh, this discussion. Because it's like yes. that's that is of course where it came from. Um, it goes without saying, but I wanted to y- say it. You're, uh, <laughs> thank you so much. That's um, taking the tag off the new clothes. Like, let's mm-hmm. make sure we do that. I also there's so like you know I I I did I studied film in school or cinema studies at U of O right. Nanook of the North uh, from 1922. It's, it's supposed to kind of be the first documentary ever made. It's all about indigenous Inuit people of of Canada and uh, and how they live their life and the famously the filmmaker got criticized for staging um things and and telling uh Nanook uh to do certain things and then editing things mm-hmm. to 
to to for dramatic effect um, and added music and all these other things. And I thought this was interesting because we got an email from we got a, a message from Gen V from Las Vegas on Patreon. Uh, she's a Scots tot, and she was wondering. Do you think it's possible that by the time season nine rolled around, the producers of the documentary started manipulating the plot more to prepare for its release? So maybe that's why things got so crazy. So what do you guys think? Do you, do you, are there instances where you think that this could have happened in, Hmm. in season nine or throughout the course of the documentary? Yeah, this is a good segue, I think, into... Into the the office itself, the U.S. office itself, because I think that's kind of where we're trying to – that's going to be the the meat of this episode. Um, You know, what is the dynamic between the producers and and the the office workers? Personally, I don't like to think of that too much. Uh, I think – well, that doesn't surprise me. Because it's just—I was... I mean, you're just—you're just making stuff up. Yeah, the Edward, producers decided I was gonna, to. Okay, I almost wrote a disclaimer into the begin into the intro of this episode to say, Edwin, please, we're going to <laughs> we're going to dive into the fictional universe of these of these the, of this documentary crew behind the camera. We have to. Uh, we well, let's have fun with it, buddy. Okay, go for it. The take. <laughs> Don't know. Super care. No, no, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> well, no, I think I think what it is is like is is and this is something from the beginning where you, you could ask, "Oh, do you think the the producers in the show were thinking about this?" And it's true. It's like, "Of course we have no way of knowing." Right. To have fun with it. Sure. It's like, "Okay, did I mean, obviously not something like Brian doing what he did. He he didn't he got fired. You know, he lost his job. I don't think, you know, they were involved the boom in guy. that. Um it's almost like the only time they would have done that. The only time I think we actually see them really doing that is is the candy bar scene right like the helping pam figure out that that uh dwight and angela are sleeping together right i mean that right. that has a bit of a that has a bit of a uh, butterfly effect you know towards later i mean That's just right. just them knowing about it not huge but a little bit um like if we're talking about the office is a documentary it's almost a backdoor season nine episode in some ways because so much of what we see actually comes out like the the, the crew reveals itself the fourth wall is broken um uh in season nine so that to me is kind of answers jen's question a little bit which is what we see is what the pbs documentary airs which is they did intervene which is they decided all right let's let the documentary crew enter the scene here in the end so like they kind of tip the hat to themselves at the end in a way. You know, when you talk about the documentary format and how it defines the show, it's introduced in season one and, and viewers are just kind of thrown in. There are testimonials or which is to say like characters speaking directly into the camera mm-hmm. or speaking to someone slightly off camera in an interview format happens right away. It, it's used to move the plot along to, to introduce different characters where they describe themselves and it's brought in really early and it's very like as a viewer, you're just kind of ju- you're, mm-hmm. you're, Tossed right into it, and there are moments where, um, in uh, in the there are moments where Michael is is constantly like playing to the camera. He tells Pam yes. to smile for the camera when he's going to announce whose birthday it is. Um, he has Pam repeat uh, so, something that he said that they said uh, that she told him already for the cameras. Um, yeah. there there are a lot more moments of this, and we, when you we have get Michael to... Scott, you don't need to manipulate the plot. 
Just let that guy go. <laughs> yeah, and you get to see him kind of throw to the camera. For the first two seasons, I feel like the documentary format is still being established within the show, which is why we see, I think, that moment where the documentary filmmakers are interacting directly with Pam. So if you guys see anything, she says to them. Yeah. And then for the most part, the documentary gets kind of out of the way. They step back. They're not really referenced directly by the characters as often. They are sometimes, but um, we, there are a number of notable instances of that. And then when season nine comes back around, it's kind of jarring the way at the very beginning, the intro to new guys, there's that moment where Jim and Pam take off their mic packs and say like, it's a paper company. Don't you guys think you got everything by now? Yeah. 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 That's kind of the shape of it. Yeah. I think. Totally. Yeah, I, I, there's there's all those hints throughout where or that uh, like Phyllis telling Dwight, you know, I know, you know, they know, I know none of that. <laughs> and yet, if I did, you'd be the last to know. <laughs> I I do wonder if it's like why it got so crazy at the end. I mean, Andy might have been a little easier to manipulate than Michael in some ways. Like all you got to do is like, hey, this guy's this guy's an egomaniac to Andy, and been like, hey, you're bit you're a star. You shouldn't be working here. And that just sends yeah. him out of the, like, you know, he just gets, I could see them mm -hmm. planting that in his brain just to mess with him because it seems like maybe the crew didn't like Andy. If you're on camera all the time, maybe, maybe you wonder, you feel like uh, you, you get used to that and you want to be on camera all the yeah. time. Yeah. The, the existence of the documentary is the manipulation. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I mean, I feel like, I, I kind of want to say almost no, that they didn't do, that I don't really feel like they mm. manipulate the plot too much. So you agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, go yes. on, go on, go you on. You are so right. Yeah. You are so right. <laughs> Just because I think we kind of see their journalistic integrity a little bit um, throughout the show. I mean, like, for the most part, The Office doesn't have a soundtrack, right? I mean, it's not dramatized very much in, in that respect. And, and, um, there seems to be, you know, they seem to have this kind of goal of truth telling. They're always spying on people when they don't, then when they think that they're, you know, then they have some privacy or mm -hmm. like shooting yeah. through the windows of Michael's office or shooting through the vents of the door of the bathroom. Um, this might go without saying, but we're just assuming that the office as we know it, that we watch on Peacock now, like what that's what they saw. Right, we're assuming. So, we're assuming they got the same product. That's yeah. interesting. They might not I've, have. This is so. This is actually something that people have discussed online, which is that we know people have discussed a lot of things on the internet. We know <laughs> that the Office, an American workplace, the PBS documentary, airs over the course of nine nights in May. Yes, or whatever. Mm -hmm. We had an NBC show. So this is not that. Can't be. No. We didn't <laughs> watch a PBS thing. show. We yeah. watched an NBC show. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing is some kind of and, – and I'm kind of – there's a there's a great – well, how about this? I'll kick it to a question uh, that we got kick it. Uh, l later in the show. So, so uh, Jim wrote in and said, uh, I've always thought they should uh, make the documentary and put it on Peacock. Make the PBS documentary and put it on Peacock. Sure, it would mostly be a clip show, but it would be interesting to see how the story would be told as a serious documentary. I always thought of the show as like the raw footage that's pretty much in chronological order. But the documentary doesn't have to be exactly that. Yes. They could have a narrator, and it doesn't have to be all chronological. 
some storylines would be emphasized and some wouldn't be get much attention. We know from the episode promos that it was Nine Nights in May. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I would guess that each episode was uh, one to two hour range. So you'd be taking yeah. approximately 70 hours from the show and condensing it to nine to 18 hours. Hmm. We know that the documentary started with Jim in Michael's office, and we know that Pam said that she didn't watch the whole documentary because it was too painful. Um, so he he breaks down what he thinks the episodes are, but I think that's uh, which what each of the nine episodes are. Um, uh, episode one introduces everybody in the offices and focuses on Pam and Roy. Episode two focuses on Michael and Jan's relationship. Uh, episode three focuses on Jim and Dwight's relationship uh, and Jim's transfer to Stanford. Um, episode four, fo- uh, well, I don't know if I, 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 is this, I don't know. You don't need to read through every description. I mean, it's just, I, I mean, it's a J- way to Jim, con- it's like, it's, yeah, it's very well thought out. Yeah, it's just a way to condense the show and, and different ways that you can kind of carve up the show and show different things. I think um, <clears throat> there's the review that um, they read where they talk about, um, Dwight, uh, forever chasing a management position yes. that he'll never get. Yes. Andy having surprising musical talent. So they allude to certain dynamics that are portrayed that in the documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, the review just calls Andy a buffoon who is a representative of the declining American economy. Phil's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is like, ouch, uh, sorry, Andy, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but then Nelly's like, but he has a surprising musical talent. Could you print that out mm. for me? And, he, yeah. and then, and then, he, and then he's like, "I'm too big for this." That's all it took. So, I think all of that is to say, yes, I think um, the what we see as viewers watching the NBC version of The Office is not what the documentary is. We're seeing kind of their pure footage, is kind of yeah. in chronological order. Yeah, yeah. I think PBS needed I, some money, and they just they sold all the footage to NBC, and they're like, "Do whatever you want," because <laughs> we're PBS. <laughs> This was a failure. Um, no. <laughs> nine years. Nine years. You guys try and do something Separating with this. trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I love that uh, Jim points out that, yeah, I mean, it could be cut together uh, in not chronological order and that you could have a narrator yeah. and kind of, it, you know, we could start with a married Jim and Pam who have kids and then flash back to all this other stuff, uh, you know. Uh, it's interesting. So, so all that to say, I don't. I, I think that no, I don't. I agree with Jim. I don't think that we're seeing the actual documentary in the mm-hmm. in the NBC's the office. I think one thing that maybe we can we can dip into now, if, if you want, is uh, the idea that if the producers are intervening or the camera people are intervening with the show, I think one of the reasons that happens less is, as uh, as the show goes on past seasons one and two, maybe, is that it kind of opens this door for if well, if they were going to intercede or intervene or influence events at this time, why didn't they influence events at another time? We, you can look at Andy floating away in the lake. Why didn't the, produ- why didn't the camera people say anything? <laughs> yeah. uh, all these instances where characters cheat on each other. Did the, car- did the camera people say anything? So I think on some level, you kind of have to pull it back and just let it kind of be this, this um, the, just the camera just collecting this sort of raw footage and, mm-hmm. uh, and taking it that way because it makes the show easier to watch. I think to just kind of be watching these people living their their lives, these characters living their lives on screen without, um, even if they do are aware of the cameras, they see the cameras. Michael makes a lot of appeals to the cameras. Um, they they the the people behind the camera don't necessarily interact with them 
all the time or, or very much at all. Right. Of course. I mean, right. and, and that's I mean, the thing. This is sort of like watching the producers and only thinking about, you know, the play that they're making inside of it. Because like what we are seeing is is a, a scripted show. We're seeing a scripted comedy. You know, we're not mm -hmm. seeing a documentary. Um, but th I mean, that's the beauty of The Office is that it's able to make you feel at times still through the way it's crafted, the way it's constructed. It, it still feels like very much like a documentary. I mean, and that's why it has such a, a powerful like connection to people, I think, is because there's that there's that realness. And and like to yeah, I, I do feel too like I agree with you, Edwin. And I think that Stephen Merchant has a quote that says he he became we became sort of so obsessive about the rules of the documentary that it became kind of uh, crippling. Uh, started to kind of cripple us really. In the end, you got to remember you are making a TV show. You are yeah. making a sitcom. Yeah. Um, and while I do agree with that, and I think yes, like certainly they got to give themselves a break sometimes and say it doesn't matter. Yeah, just, sure. Like, let's just mm -hmm. you know, let's just move the story along. Let's just make this joke or you know, tell this part of the story. You got to be Michael the, Bay sometimes and go. You just, know, the just, audience just go isn't going to care. Yeah, just blow it up. Right, <laughs> just blow it up. Yeah, right. and walk away. Yeah, <laughs> but but I will say this too, man. Like, you know, I know we wanted to talk about other shows that follow this mockumentary format after the office i think people take Stephen merchant's words here a little bit too much to heart on shows like parks and rec modern family um even i just started watching abbott elementary i love all these shows but i think that there's less importance i, I think that the writers are putting less importance on this real documentary that's being made and sometimes I worry that hmm. sometimes I think that they should do it more because I think that it affects how I think it's interesting how it affects how how the characters act when they yeah. know that the cameras are there. I don't think that you get that as much in especially modern family. I don't think that you ever get a sense that the characters hold back for the cameras being there. And I like that about the office. Hmm. That there's still there's still some bits of themselves they're trying to hide. Yeah, and that there's a sense of like, would this actually be realistic that yeah. the documentary crew would film it this way? No, they'd be outside the window, like right. looking in. Right. I yeah. think the office is the U.S. office is probably the biggest in terms of like influence, popularity, spread. Um, version is the biggest one of these kinds of comedic mockumentary sitcoms. Yes. And I think on some level, they're almost committed to having to address the documentary in the end because it is so alluded to at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it is a way, I think, in season nine for the show to kind of come crashing to an end. And I only mean that they can like they can hurry up and finish it. There was an element with it with season nine where Steve Carell was gone. And, the, you know, what were they going to do with this show? Um and I think bringing back the documentary as a, as a way to close the show um, was a mechanism to, to, to kind of bring everything to a finale. And I think we can, we can talk about how successful or unsuccessful that was, but mm -hmm. um, it was, that's how they did it. You know, that's how you kind of bring things to a close. Um, I guess, do you, does it make more sense for us to talk about season nine or to talk about the other shows? Well, I, I guess I, we don't have to jump into the other shows, but I just wanted to—I I wanted to 
like compare like if you compare the office to some of these other shows i like that the i like that it seems like the writers of the office put this importance on on what the documentary what would be yeah. realistic for the documentary mm-hmm. and they break that rule sometimes definitely of course um, lots e- of times each iteration of the show has done that right the bbc office through the entire thing always kept insert shots of office machinery working or someone just mm-hmm. doing something you know mm-hmm. they never abandoned that the office did that after season one they stopped doing that right you know you just Mm -hmm. you don't get that anymore and then the next shows uh parks and rec modern family all the way up to abbott elementary which is feels very like a very polished you know movie almost it doesn't really feel like a documentary but watching the bbc office it really does like look and feel like what what it was what it's pitched as right they they have um uh, well, okay. This will. Uh, how about this? We'll transition into camera work yeah, from here because Abbott. Because Abbott Elementary. What I was noticing just in watching the the pilot the other day was that they'll do walk and talks through the school, mm. and the camera person will be in front of them, walking through a busy school. Right. So it's like that's not um, really logical, right? That you've got this camera crew with a steady cam and booms and lights moving through this high school full of teenagers yes, or kids right, right. nobody is acknowledging or looking at this group of people who is totally clogging up the hallways. <laughs> right. so but i think so then looking at the office so the cinematographer for the office is is randall einhorn and he's directed many episodes and he's been really essential to the documentary style of the show he's said before it mentioned before just how much emphasis he would put on on choreographing um or placing cameras um because you know the office is a multi-cam show right you've got as you're filming you have two or three or more cameras rolling at the same time and so you have to think okay like there actually would realistically be a camera in this corner of the room. Like it wouldn't be realistic that this camera person would be like sitting on Stanley's desk (laughs) to get this shot, you know? Um, And, and we even kind of like speaking of mistakes of the show, there are some moments where in the editing we get, we notice that there's a camera angle coming from a place where we don't see a camera person, right? There's like an, in, in dinner party, um, there are some some. It's such a close quarter place being in Michael's and and Jan's house that there's some spots like in their bedroom where we get multiple camera angles, but we notice that there's not a camera guy standing in that corner of the room. Right. But it does like that's the thing about it. over the course of the show, the space of the office becomes so familiar to us watching that it, that really fades away because really. As soon as you see where it's happening, you, I, I at least I stop thinking about what's behind the camera because like, I was like, oh, I know, I know what's yeah. there. I don't have to wonder ever. Um, so it's this very safe area. And but contrast that to the parts of the show when they go outside of the office, and it does feel like it's filmed on the go, like they're figuring out as they go. Um, for mm-hmm. the most part, it changes a little bit later into in season eight and nine. But for a while there, yeah, when they when they go. Um, Characters are often, like you said, in front of the camera, showing them where to go or like, you know, something like that. Um, and then I don't know there's a whole other element of like 
the crew feels like they're spying on people a lot. You know what I mean? When they're following, so, you're seeing someone from way distance. Go, sorry, go ahead, Edwin. Well, there's this. There's something that's very signature about the way the office is shot that I think is very easy to not notice because I think we're so used to it. Yeah. The ways in which the camera follows the different characters from room to room, the way that it can start one way and it'll kind of pan up and focus on somebody's face. It, like the the beauty of this the of, of of the show like this is that it can create all sorts of different shots, including yeah. like it lends itself really well to voiceovers because there are so many. Um, Moments where characters are speaking directly to the camera, and you have that audio that you could play over different shots. Um, you can you can do like really hard cuts, which they play to kind of comedic effect. Like for example, when Dwight cuts to the water cooler right next to his desk, or when it cuts to him with his hair dyed, uh, something like that. And I think too, we get we get really used to seeing those shots through um, the, the the episode to me that stood out as maybe having some of the most of this early on is the Alliance, because so mm. much of the camera work is about catching Dwight and Jim in these sort of secretive um, conspiratorial little moments. Yeah. Even if afterwards Jim walks out of the kitchen and he looks right at the camera to kind of, you know, let them know that he's, he's, he's playing a joke. And, but we get used to it. I think one of the nice things about having the, the camera element sort of recede in terms of like the character, in terms of the, the camera itself interacting with the show is that those moments don't feel so much like they're being spied on. Yes. It feels like you're just watching people yes. in their natural habits or the characters interacting the way they naturally would. Here's a here's a tidbit that is uh, this is from Paul Feig in Andy Green's book, but he says that the geni- the genius of Greg Daniels is the fact that he hired the guys that shot Survivor. Uh, so he hired an actual documentary crew to shoot it mm. within the show. So people on the show came from that show. Uh, said knowing that they were knowing that they know how to follow the action and when to zoom. Greg's whole thing is that he didn't want anybody to be aware of the camera. He'd rather the cameraman not see any rehearsal and just follow it. So that yeah. style, like that, that's exactly where that comes from. And if you watch Survivor, and I know you do, Sean, uh, <laughs> as do I. Every I mean, it, it, it is. I mean, there's like new, it's not just that two people standing in suits in an office yeah. under fluorescent lighting having a conversation yeah. is not interesting <laughs> or or action packed but when you get a camera that is whipping between them and zooming tighter and <laughs> whipping and tighter and tighter that makes it so much I more I want peach cobbler yeah <laughs> i mean it just it brings so much more excitement to it it really i mean it, you it's because, like I said, you know, because there's no soundtrack and all these other things, you don't even notice how it ramps up the action. Mm-hmm. It can kind of like lead your eyes, viewer, in terms of what to watch. Like you don't like. I like too that you know the camera work does kind of obviously it's what you what you're shown as a viewer. But it, for example, in Hot Girl at the end of season one, there's a scene where Michael leads Katie into the conference room, and Dwight is right behind them. And as the two, as Michael and Katie walk into the conference room to like set up the purses, the camera lingers and focuses on Dwight, who's just kind of lurking in the back. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like a very effective shot to show how awkward Dwight is, um, and how Michael is uh, suddenly, you know, so enamored with with Katie. Um, it's, it's just an example of like the way that the the show kind of paints the picture. Kate Flannery has said, and this is the quote that they use in this chapter: "Is they perfected the art of shooting us like animals in the wild." <laughs> yeah, I I think I think that it's it's nuanced too and that it's not just that they'll whip between people. They get there just in time, you know, mm-hmm. for the line to be delivered. Mm-hmm. And and um maybe that speaks to them not being allowed to see rehearsal and things like that. I think that's awesome. 
Randall Einhorn mm-hmm. has said that he that he would try to almost feel like he got there just a little bit late. Yeah, because then it just it 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 adds it's just a, it, you just watch them kind of more, find focus. Yeah, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's just a little more intriguing that way. Yes, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. I mean it, it a lot. It's just fascinating because so much, so many conversations, so much energy went into that, and then for you to to never notice it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. a really good camera like that's why a high caliber camera person on a show like survivor which then translates into a show like the office is so valuable think about how many little facial expressions they catch like dinner party when the shot just drifts over to jan when she's looking at pam and like how much is in that look of course what i'm actually talking about is below harden's acting but i am so sorry <laughs> about the temperature in here but 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 you know you'd have to believe the cameramen on this bbs documentary are very very good i mean that's you know, Sean, you've shot yeah. stuff like it's easy to miss stuff and not even consider, oh, I should have had a camera running on that person. I totally forgot. I mean, yeah, you, it's you can ruin a whole shoot that way. <laughs> so much of the offices uh, of the comedy, of the office is nuance and small moments and quiet moments. And yeah. the cameras do a really great job of, of picking up on a lot. Of I've that never stuff. realized I've never gotten so familiar with like three millimeters between blinds. And how much you can see <laughs> yeah. between that space. There's so many scenes if you, you you just stop realizing that you've been watching the whole time through a tiny little crack. Yeah, yeah. There are a few moments specifically where that happens. And Michael, it's in Michael's office, and he's trying oh. to lock out the cameras. Those are the best. It's and so they good. go around and they just catch it from the other angle. So I I know I know when he's under the desk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's uh, the one in, in the Dundies when Jan says that he's not going to be able to. Uh, they're not going to fund. The, uh, they're not gonna pay for the food and drinks um, yeah. and then there's another one where Michael's wearing the straight jacket and he has to pull down the cord with his feet and he's just writhing on the ground like that side that side window into Michael's office is one of the uh, oh. underrated MVPs of the show really just the window is, with yeah. the blinds I mean how about when, yeah even when they're like the whole did I stutter conversation after everyone gets out and the camera goes out that includes the camera and then mm-hmm. it's that whole scene is done with two cameras trying mm-hmm. to just get a little shot so mm-hmm. you you mm-hmm. feel the you feel the crew working there without being intrusive. It's cool. We we also have to talk about talking heads and just how we must. you know this is a this is probably not making sense. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, that's the early that stuff. David Byrne in that Never big suit. Old. There's a great it's documentary. Crazy. <laughs> um, uh, uh, talking heads. I mean, this is what is what really I think makes this. Um, uh, format this genre of comedy uh, great is it uh, the characters being able to directly speak to the audience and then uh, but interestingly about the office everybody right looks off camera as if they're speaking to a producer who's interviewing them right but um, it's almost just Jim who really looks directly at the camera um, and uh, uh Dwight yeah. does sometimes for sure. Pam. Um, yeah. I mean, they all do in their own way. But Jim, I mean, Jim is mm-hmm. different times. Jim is by far the most um, active with the camera. I mean, that's it's the famous Jim face. I mean, mm-hmm. from the beginning. That's yeah. that's the audience surrogate. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, of course, that's what Tim was in the first one. Same thing. The talking heads are a really interesting way for the to kind of provide exhibition and kind of talk about what's going on in the office in a particular day for a character to kind of talk about who they are, what they're feeling Ex- in a particular exposition? moment. Exposition. Exposition. Okay. 
You said exhibition. <laughs> exhibition. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I don't express. Thank, it's been thank a long you for day. correcting me. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it's a it's such a defining feature of the show, and it allows a lot of for 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 the moments that we see. It provides a lot of context. Yeah. Today is blank day at the office. So many episodes of The Office start with Pam saying that after an introductory scene where Michael walks in and says something to Pam. And then Pam says, it's, blank, it's whatever day here at the office. And mm-hmm. so Michael has done this sort of thing. Pretzel and, day. Yeah. It, it, it's a really unique feature of the show. And I think it's become cliche or it feels cliche a little bit. Sure. But that's only because it's been done for so long by so many of these shows. Uh, the Office, uh, obviously, is one of the biggest ones. Um, but it was very defining, very signature. And th- I mean, that the talking head is the reason mockumentaries work, right? Like going back to Spinal Tap, which to me, like that's, I mean, that is, when you talk mockumentaries, that's that's where it all comes from. I, th- I think there was more before that, but but that is the marquee one. And I mean, the talking heads, These amps the, go up the, to 11. the interviews yeah. Yeah. that happen between the action are what bring out all the character in some ways. And then, and then between that is where you get the plot. And in a show that we're very interested in the characters, the talking heads are really like, that's, that's what keeps you there. I mean, it's it, so true. It's like, I mean, you think about someone like Dwight specifically where this character would, you know, in a normal sitcom, just be, you know, the goofy, you know, semi-villain sort of a guy. But, like, because we get the talking heads, we get so much depth into his... That's where we get all the little bits about his family and his all the little things. It's like there's so much gold there. It... It it creates like a level of realism, I think, as far as the viewers go. That like these characters feel more real because they're talking about themselves. It also provides a lot of nuance because the camera is just affixed in their direction, and they can play certain lines or things however they want. And the camera isn't moving, and neither are they. And I think too, um, characters can say really funny or ridiculous things. Characters like Michael, characters like Dwight. because it's almost like you leave a camera on someone and or you let someone talk for so long. Eventually, they'll say something outrageous um, if you just let them run, you know, totally. let them run mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And Michael and Dwight and, and Andy, a number of other characters are just like perfect examples of this. And there's some, and there's also some really touching moments within that format. I mean, like when the times when they break that are, are always very, um, I don't know, they, they, they impact really hard. I mean, most notably when Jim finally asked Pam out. I mean, when they when you just are suddenly cutting away from a talking head, it only happens a few times. Very harsh feeling. It's like, whoa, I'm not used to that. Um, but I, it's you're right that it has been parodied a lot since, um, but and for good reason. That's usually you know, that's a good sign that uh, it's a good sign that that a lot of people liked it, right? And to bring kind of bring together these this earlier point when Jim enters through that door, the camera moves up to him and he says, "Oh, sorry," and then. They have that exchange, but that's so much more effective than if we just had a shot of that full room and right. Jim just opened a door like it was like a play or something <laughs> like that. You know? um, right. like it's, it's more effective to have that camera work there. It makes that moment hit home a lot more. Yeah. So to segue out of Talking Heads, other, other ways that the, the documentary format works is in the cars, too. They have the dash oh, yeah. cams. Or this is actually something that only starts after season three they start using these dash cams and I actually did one. <laughs> I get, get your drop ready, Alex. I, I watched a video <laughs> okay, on sure, YouTube sure. Uh, in, in researching this uh, subject. Uh, Keep talking. It's funny when he interrupts you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> called, called filming the office by Jesse Tribble. 
um, which is a, a great little 10 minute uh, video uh, about the the filming style. Oh, everybody, the... Oscar found a reason to look on WebMD. <laughs> there it is. Uh, <laughs> but I, I thought that this guy did a great job of breaking down the filming style and how it works for particular moments mm. and particular jokes. And uh, so, so go check that out. But, um, but he, uh, let's see. Um, he 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 brought up that they, in season three they start using the dash cams probably because they can finally use multiple camera angles without ever you ever seeing a camera guy in the car mm -hmm. right um, and that we can actually look at their faces and all these things because early in the show Michael is always sitting next to a camera guy in the car or the uh, camera the, guys behind them. Yeah. yeah, or behind. With yes. the two people yes. in the front, and sometimes they turn back to the camera. Yeah, And the reason I bring this up, too, is because you do see the camera guy. That we do get a camera guy in the, car, in the car strategically throughout the rest of the show, right? Mm -hmm. Season one, episode one. Fun run. Meredith Season gets four, hit by episode the... one. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was on the fun run <laughs> season. <laughs> um, uh, uh, we got to get have the camera person in the car so we can get that whip pan to Meredith getting hit. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, Dwight and Jim in the car when he like, uh, you know, Dwight's like, oh, driver always protects his side first. Mm -hmm. Right. You need that back and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael driving the car into the lake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And vice versa, you need the dash cam to show <coughs> Michael, Dwight and Jim in Branch Wars. Yes. Although, funny enough, the cameraman is in the passenger seat when Jim is in the car by himself and has to recline the seat That's to try right. to lay it down. So <laughs> it's funny how that kind of contradicts, but they give you the right shot, the right sense of the comedic moment. Yeah. Um, but, they, but yeah, Cars There's is an interesting way of how they film and stage the, and shoot. The fisheye like, dash cam lens is just so funny. Like, Steve Carell looks so funny in that way that shot sometimes. <laughs> like, his nose is very prominent when it's the certain angles. And it's just funny. It just makes me laugh. Like, I don't know what it is. There's also, one of my favorite moments of that, too, is uh, when Michael and Dwight and D'Angelo are driving back. Uh, D'Angelo at the, at the Dundies at, it just mm -hmm. he's like I gotta make a decision here guys like cause he has to pee so bad <laughs> they stop to argue <laughs> there's or or the dash cam he is at a all out sprint when Dwight, Dwight gets out of the car or driving home from cocktails you get Michael and Jan fighting with the side yes. dash cam <laughs> yes. with, and then just Dwight leaning forward don't yeah. fight, guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> Don't break up, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So to get, get together. <laughs> Chinese uh, food was my cheap suggestion. Mm -hmm. Like they'll even like cars will pull away, or you'll see them, and they that one makes sense because it, it's a it's a middle of the night emergency. So clearly yeah. they just ran and got in the car, and the documentary crew just got in their own car, and we're like, we're just gonna film them. Yeah. Dinner party, they drive along with all those people home, I guess, mm -hmm. right? We yeah, see I guess so. Dwight drive by his nanny at the at the bus stop. They got a big crew out there ready to go, man. I mean, yeah. the 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 car thing is kind of a it's kind of a, a metaphor for the the rest of the show because the show expands so much after season 2. Jim goes to Stanford and they have to send a camera guy presumably with him. Um 
you know, they're driving all the sorts of different places. They go to Florida in season eight. They're they're all over and they're in all these different locations in Winnipeg <laughs> and Niagara Falls and, and all these other places. <laughs> How did they film that one? I'm thinking about yeah, yeah. did they just happen to get the spot where they pulled up next to that car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful day now. Uh, and it just opens the door for how are they going to get all these different shots in the strategic survivor-esque yeah. hidden camera angle sort of way. It just becomes more and more of a problem. So I feel like the camera is supposed to feel less obvious later as we go. And I think there's one scene, and I don't mean to jump ahead, but like, Sean, I know that you talk about in Pool Party when there's a camera underwater. I, I, yes, thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, That's always bothered me as a cut that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Again, you would see... An underwater camera crew. <laughs> like, well, maybe, you know what? Robert California is a pretty weird guy. Maybe he's got cameras running under in his pool all the time. He has a full-time Interesting. underwater. Interesting. Yeah, full-time <laughs> underwater cameraman, just in case. Yeah. He's like, by the way, like he like guides the camera crew mm-hmm. down to the basement. He's like, these are one-way mirrors. It gets mirrors. vastly <laughs> more complicated. When he's not wrestling Stu, he wants every time he jumps in the pool, he gets chased by a mermaid <laughs> to help him swim. I, but, I, uh, yeah. Also, I mean, but but see, here's the other like the flip side of that too is also like, uh, why wouldn't why wouldn't they send a camera with Michael and Jim in the koi pond? Like, they send a camera to every right. time of someone leaves with someone, but they can't because the plot requires them to have a delayed receiving of the DVD of the camera footage, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. but it's it's an yeah. Why wouldn't you someone... be like this is their first sale? Yeah, like, they're going together, together. Like, yeah. to a big client. Of course you're going. You know, it's like, but it, can't afford that today. It play, no. Yeah, it just plays with. It just we works got a in second the plot. unit because Angela has a date with the senator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <they're>, <laughs> <laughs> the units were spread thin. We couldn't use any of that yeah. footage. It was so boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, uh, we we should take a break here soon. We'll talk about some some fan theories around the documentary, and then and answer a few questions in the conference room. But I mean, any other thoughts uh, on on um, before we get into into those things? I think we should touch on season nine before we go to the break. I think. That's a very full circle sort of right, right way to wrap up the show. And back to think- Gen V's question. Yeah, I think, well, and I think more broadly, just philosophically with the show, how they decided to end it, how they brought in the documentary crew that made everything very, they made us very hyper aware of everything going on in the office. The characters are aware that they're being listened to with uh, parabolic mics in addition to their yes. mic packs. The characters, the boom operator is, is Brian, is, is made into a character on the show. All of these things happen in season nine. And I guess one thing I'm kind of... Me? thank you one thing that i'm kind of interested in is like what do you what do you guys think of that i know sean you mentioned that like having the documentary crew adds a level of realism yeah that you know separates the 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 u.s office from some of the mockumentary shows that followed it but how do you feel like that was in season because this for you this for you is when the show really hits its stride is when the documentary. (laughs) okay okay all right all right no (laughs) <laughs> no, I, uh, yes, you're right. I, I like that, you know, the, the focus on the documentary, um, I, I like the focus on the documentary versus not focusing on the documentary from the writing perspective. However, I don't like writing the documentary into the show. I, I think it's, it's just really way more interesting to say, this show is made by a documentary crew who has journalistic integrity. 
right? <laughs> so that's just so much, that just gives you this great limitation, this boundary that you can create within. And I think that when you break that rule and you start to say, ah, well, now the boom operator is getting involved and so we might as well turn the camera on him and like all this stuff. I, I don't, I, I think that it's less interesting. It seems like it's an unprofessional documentary now. And uh, yeah, I could see that. A bit chaotic and it's not yeah. about the office and American workplace anymore, right. is it? You're like, you guys spent eight years staying out of the way and now you're not? Yeah. Like, at the end? Mm-hmm. I, I, Yeah, I hear you. I mean, in season nine, it's almost a way where they're just like, we're going to provide... It's like at the beginning of season nine, they want to remind you where this ends. You know, it's like, here's... here's It's just signposting to where it's all ending, which is, don't forget, this whole thing has been making a documentary and now they're going to actually release it to the characters in this world. It's like... Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just... It's too rough of a shake of like, hey, remember this is a documentary? Dude, mm-hmm. it's too so much. Dumb. I'm sorry. This is where I'm, I'm <laughs> now I'm cracking. I let just, her rip. Let her rip. I, I, Unleash I, it, baby. I hate season nine. I'm sorry. Just I don't like that this that this documentary comes out and then it's like a big hit. And like people are like cheering Nard Dog and in they're waiting in line. Didn't they just see it on PBS? Why I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I guess they go into a QA and all this stuff. Maybe that really happens in real life. I, I, I just, it's it's just it's just really ridiculous, and it's really it, it's. I don't know. I don't know. I I think I, I really didn't like the Q and A and all this stuff. Seeing like the audience interact with the the you didn't like the it. employees. Yeah, I don't know. I it doesn't. I, I don't know. I again. I don't just think do it it's, again. i just i I, like i said i i just think it's it's a lot more interesting when you kind of when we when we're the pov outside of michael's office looking through the blinds and not yeah them realizing that they've been on a global stage yeah (laughs) you know like that's it's just not um they they just I, I they love... didn't clear the last hurdle. All, all they had to do, they were in the lead. It's like, it yeah. just it does feel like wow. They they just took a turn at the end that that shifted it all off a little bit. I I, I think it's a I I felt like it was a big cop out. I felt like it was just like where's this all going? Well, the documentary has to come out, of course. Mm-hmm. Like it's like no, it doesn't. Yeah. That wouldn't be part of the actual documentary. <laughs> you know so. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to make an Olympics analogy. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember Lindsay Jacob Ellis, the snowboarder? American uh, snowboarder? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. four Olympics ago. She had a it was her first ever Olympics. She was like 21. She had a huge lead in like the women's snowboard cross, like by 50 yards. Like it wasn't even close. And all she had to do was get over the last hump and land and cross the line. And she just threw in a little extra mustard on the last jump and threw in a little trick. Lost her balance in midair, fell, got uh, the silver medal. One of the most heartbreaking Mm -hmm. things I've ever seen in the Olympics. That little move, that's what I felt season nine. It was just a little, hey, 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 (laughs) hey, hey, just land the plane. Don't, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Of course, she eventually won one this year uh, in the Winter Olympics. She finally won the gold in that event. So I wish they could have seen you putting that extra mustard on in your chair. It's a. (laughs) 
Because she did a she did a bit. Yeah. She did a little background. A little yeah. <laughs> method, I think it was. That's what they call it. Uh, anyway, I boy, I went way off the rails. Go ahead, Edwin, take us no, back. No, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I t- so to me the the. The function of the Q&A at the end of the show to kind of give characters closure, I, that doesn't bother me so much. What does, what is a challenge for me is in season nine when it opens with them like taking off the, the cold open to right. new guys is ends with Jim and Pam taking off their mic packs and asking the question to the documentary crew and they yep. vocalize back like... I imagine the first time we all watched that, it was kind of exhilarating because it's like, oh, this is different. It was. But it at a, at a certain point, The Office kind of stops feeling like itself. I In season nine, I in preparing for this episode, one thing that I kind of did was watching a lot of the season one moments where they inter- feels like they're interacting a lot with the camera mm-hmm. and then watching some of the season nine moments where they're kind of interacting with the camera. And it feels it's, it's really night and day. I think in particular, the scene where in vandalism after... Um, after Brian has intervened and hits Frank with the boom mm-hmm. arm and they're sitting and talking about it and they show that room next to accounting that has just lockers. Like, yeah. and it, and Brian says to Pam, if you need anything, you know how to reach me. And she's standing there in her Pratt sweater and her coat. It doesn't feel like the office really anymore. It yeah. feels, it feels so off the rails. And it's, and then when the camera, when the, someone from the crew becomes part of the cast, it, it just, it, it's, it, it feels like it really just goes off the rails for me a little bit. Like it's hard yeah. to to make sense of like what are they filming, who are they filming, and I just it it um, I don't think it tracks very well for me. Like I think I think they struggled with that element of uh, of season nine. And there's so much Look, going on in scene. season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Edwin, I know what you're saying, and and it's kind of ridiculous to say that it's like. The writers need to imagine that the documentary crew has journalistic integrity in order to focus the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that I think that you're right. I think it goes off the rails. It just feels chaotic. It's just what are we talking about now? Yeah, you know. Sure. And in a season where you have all of these storylines, Jim and Pam, and Jim going to Philly, and Andy and Aaron, and what's going on with Nelly, and what's going on with Dwight and Angela and the Senator. And yeah. and like, you have so much ground to cover in the season to also introduce this element of the, the documentary. It would be one thing if we got to the end of the season and the documentary came out and they had to deal with the fallout of that. That's That would be one thing. But to also layer in this character who's been in the background all along, being really getting really close to Jim and Pam like that. It yeah. just, it feels like a, it feels a retroactive. Little, it feels a little unearned. Like, Hey, yeah. Hey, you didn't earn this. There you go. We've been here all this time. What the hell? Mm-hmm. It's a retroactive continuity. Yeah. Retcon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They like, you get to the end of something and they say, well, he was a clone all along, but like a, like active on screen <laughs> retcon, which is even yeah. weirder than like just writing it. It's, it's weird. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we'll have a season nine episode where we'll dig way more into all of this stuff. Um, yeah, but we'll, it is we'll something show you to mention. The bright side of season nine. <laughs> it is. It is something to mention. Yes. So just because that is such a just as important as the introduction and the presence of the documentary crew throughout the series, the end and how they show up in season nine is just as important. We'll take a quick break and then we'll discuss some of the fan theories and some mockumentaries that are on TV now. Listen and questions. We'll, few more listener questions so join us after the break see you in the conference room 
Folks, no one has a business like yours. With all of its strengths, all of its challenges, and to succeed, you need a hiring partner that adapts to your needs. That's Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements, or else you don't pay. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, hoping to find right candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Indeed Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. So let's say you're Michael, and you need to hire someone for the warehouse, and this Kevin guy comes along and just blows you out of the way with a dynamic interview. So you could have cut down the time on that if Michael had been using Indeed. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Scott. Offer valid through April 30th. Again, go to Indeed.com slash Scott to claim your $75 credit before April 30th. Indeed.com slash Scott. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? Who oh, you need, indeed. Right now, right now, conference room. Topic, hopefully, let's go. Okay, you guys, so there are some uh, theories out there, some fan theories about how the documentary came to be, the PBS documentary. Mm. Oh, yes. The first one is that, um, of course, Michael Scott hired the documentary crew, which is why he seems to be sort of unfireable and the Scranton branch is kind of untouchable, even though they tease us a lot uh, <laughs> that the that the branch is going to be closed. We, we do the joke a lot of like, oh, forget the teapot letter. I want to see this. I'm like, forget the teapot letter. I want to see the contract Michael signed with this PBS crew. <laughs> yeah. Oh Alleged contract. <laughs> like, what... Alleged contract. I'm going to own your farm by the time this is over. <laughs> <laughs> What did he sign away? What what did they get for Thunder Mifflin? My goodness. I assume uh, he tricked David Wallace with a fax at some point. <laughs> or he wasn't there yet. Never mind. No, yeah. I mean, I you can picture it's just like Michael pitching the commercial. He's like, I'll pay for it all on my own dime. <laughs> I'm willing to stake my entire reputation on this. Wow. This is really weird. <laughs> is that what David says? <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. Yeah. This is weird. <laughs> um, this is weird. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, yeah, finish it. So that that's a pretty good theory, I think. There's another theory that Jim I'm here to talk about. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Just get them all out. Uh -huh. Oh no, uh, that's fine. I'll I'll pepper there's them. A, there's another theory that Jim has hired the documentary crew, and uh the 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 idea behind this one is that of course jim is kind of the star of the documentary he's the only one who looks the camera in the eye they seem to always be there at the right moment to catch dwight's the the pranks against dwight and all these things uh maybe this is a way to sort of impress and win over pam 
I don't know if you guys have. I don't know if you guys have ever. Wow. Have you ever done? Have you ever done that? Have you ever hired a documentary crew to (laughs) to film your work, entire work life, to impress somebody who works there? It's way cheaper than a dinner. (laughs) You know, it's funny because uh, Bo Burnham has a TV show that was on MTV where oh, Zach Stone wants to be famous. Zach Stone wants to be famous, and that's kind of the premise of the show: is Mm -hmm. that he's like not going to college, and he's kind of in love with this girl. And so he hi- he just uses all his money to hire a documentary crew for, you know, really no reason other than to maybe impress this girl and do something with his time yeah. and money, I guess. But um, so that that's another theory. Uh, uh, another theory that I just learned about today, uh, which is is a weird one. Uh, Mindy Kaling apparently. Um, mentioned this in in a, like a what what are those like uh, they do those interview r- yes or what you know they, <laughs> they they do those big uh bo- like table conference thing anyway sorry 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 i don't panel I, yeah yeah it's a panel thank there you there it is uh, so mindy kaling kind of revealed that the idea behind the documentary is that they are coming in to observe the effects of office depression after an employee took their own life, which is supposed to be Tom Peets, who it's kind of revealed in season two that there's a character who killed himself in the office and that they just kind of stick around um, after, after they show up just to kind of like look at the effects of this. There's like all these other things based on this theory too that Ryan Howard is temping because there's a position to fill and things like this. So anyways, those are kind of the three big theories. My question to you guys is, is there one that you like the most? <laughs> uh, well, one, one funny thing. Because there's uh, got to be a reason for this documentary being. Mm-hmm. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. The 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 gym one I think I like the least, although it funnily enough like would give some reason for them to follow him to Stanford when he goes to Stanford. Yes, uh, and to follow him to Philly when he goes to Philly. Yes, uh, which it, which especially when they go to Stanford, it, it's just kind of why, why necessarily is Jim still, you know, obviously if he comes back into the fold, etc. Um, but I think I like that one the least because Jim is so, um, you know, he doesn't want this job to be his career. Yeah. Right. So why would he film it? Yeah. Yeah. Hire to fil- pay to film it. I think the Michael one is probably my favorite just because it's Same. the silliest yeah. and it seems like they've been locked into some kind of long-term commitment. That's probably my favorite. Um, one of the other funny things that I noticed in preparing for this is uh, in the first few episodes, Michael is making his, his jokes, but he's making them so often to the characters on the show and they're not laughing. So often to uh, to Pam, and Pam doesn't laugh. Michael does a $6 million man walk, <laughs> and Pam doesn't laugh. Yeah, he, he keeps going. And then he'll, he'll, he'll make jokes to like that to Ryan or to whomever, and they don't laugh. And at a certain point, he starts making all those jokes to the camera people so that he can maybe make the audience laugh. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, like, it's, it's funny the way that his... I love it! Like, that's played totally to the camera when he does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah like he's he changes his instead of trying to make his coworker laugh right like directly 
and and like saying, "How you know this?" Yeah. Um, he moves. He changes that focus to the camera. So that's probably my favorite. Is the uh, is the Michael Scott yes, theory? What I, do you guys think? I'm 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 on I'm in that camp as well. I mean, I have to give some credit to the office depression documentary theory only because Mindy Kaling said that that's what they were thinking. Sure. The documentary was mm-hmm. supposed to be about. It was like an idea or. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Or I mean, at some point they had to be like, well, why are we? Yeah. Why are we making this? Or um, they'd be like, it's really hard to make this with this manager. He's we're getting hot and cold all the time here. It's like, yeah. like we're trying to make this. Documentary. I, I just watched. I just watched uh, or, uh, recently the French Dispatch. It's the new Wes Anderson movie. And Bill Murray kind of plays this like uh, he's the the head publisher at this newspaper uh-huh. <laughs> and just like there's all these great scenes of him like approving like budget overages and things yeah. like that <laughs> i would love to see the pbs <laughs> publisher just be like oh, stay on this all right i'm approving per diem in hotels for your crew <laughs> for, for nine niagara years. falls yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything yeah, yeah. Wait, wait wait bill murray was played like good. kind of an older depressed guy in a west Anderson movie yeah. <laughs> What? He dies right in the beginning of the movie. It's Whoa. Great. Anyways, no, sorry. Cool. Spoiler. <laughs> Jeez, what, the spoiler dispatch. My yeah. God. Beginning yeah. of the movie. Okay. <laughs> uh, the one, the the only thing that I see is maybe a problem with the Michael and Jim theories is that they hired the documentary crew. How often are documentaries made because someone hires a crew to make a documentary about themselves? Isn't a documentary well, got to pay for it? Yeah, but like, isn't a documentary a of... often like spearheaded by a filmmaker who wants to you get it? Yeah, you, you, you would approach the subject. Yes. You get a grant mm-hmm. to make it. I mean, these are for educational purposes, especially mm-hmm. you know PBS. If it's on PBS, this yeah, is, yeah. So then, so, the so, Michael theory is that Michael instigated this documentary to come about. Well, okay, you could combine these theories now. God, we're going <laughs> deep. Um, I think that, <laughs> deep that, or, they... or deep or totally made up. <laughs> <laughs> some off, some off. We were on an off ramp. To the Rainbow Road. <laughs> this is this is yeah. You yeah, could get ahead. a grant on that you're going to make a, <laughs> a documentary about office depression, right? Oh, okay. Michael Scott signs Ken Burns that contract. Yeah. <laughs> no signs over the Scranton branch, tricks David Wallace into allowing it, or Jan, I guess, because David is the new yeah. CFO at some point. Um, and. Uh, and there you go. And then they are all of a sudden like, look, we got a bigger story here. There's, you know, a lot going on. In we, there's a there's a huge story here. One guy is in love with the other with the girl and she's engaged. <laughs> and they are both so cute. We need to know what happens. Yeah, I don't know. Let me let me toss one more at you here, Sean. OK, because there is an overlap okay. with PBS, I think, in the style. Ready? Here we go. Really quick. Okay. Ken Burns is Civil War, makes it for PBS. In it, he discovers Shroot Farms, makes a short little documentary about it that we see them watching eventually <laughs> at the museum, <laughs> at the, the Battle of Shroot Farms. Uh, they go to find this guy to make a documentary about it. Wow. They find Dwight Schrute. Oh, my God. He works at a paper company. They follow him to work. Oh, my God. Look at this guy. Look at Michael Scott. <laughs> and uh, they decide, I think we found wow. some gold here. So this is Dwight a new... is the main character. Did you just you just made up this? Theory. I just made this up based off of what you said. Uh, PBS or Ken Burns passing. You said <laughs> doing this. All of these are made up. <laughs> yes, all of these are made up. But Edwin, damn it! <laughs> There's another fun. What one. did we talk about at the beginning? <laughs> I will not be silenced. <laughs> yeah. 
Guys, James from sunny England writes, Hey guys, oh, what's one, up, James? one of my fave moments, including the documentary crew, is in Dunder Mifflin Infinity. After Michael drives his car into the lake, he opens the rear door for the cameraman to get out. Yes, he does. It's a, it's a very quick moment, but I like it as he helps them out, and it is not acknowledged, and is not acknowledged for doing so. Uh, there was a show in Britain called Operation Good Guys in 1997, four years before The Office. I'm attaching a link to watch the first episode, uh, 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 which was also in the documentary style. I watched uh, that, James. It, it That is looks like such a funny show. I was very surprised to see in the pilot episode, Cold Open, uh, a businessman runs over a woman in his car in the parking lot. <laughs> uh Wow. Thank you, James. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a fabulous moment. <laughs> he, he writes, uh, James from Sunny London, a.k.a. the Goat of Dover. Uh, as yeah, always. Yeah, yeah, as yeah, always. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Call that a King James pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but that's true. They're, they're like, I think the best moments where the documentary crew is included or alluded to in the show is small moments like that. Not big moments where we have to suddenly realize that there's like this big app filming apparatus going on around everything that we're seeing. Just like it, the subtle inclusion, a subtle look to the camera by any of the characters. Cause it's not always Jim. Yeah, I was right. just watching survivor man the other day and thinking about this episode coming up, noticing that's a very interesting episode to view from the documentary standpoint, because you get, Michael is saying that he's going to go into the woods alone. He's going to bring a camera with him and document himself, which we we get that mini DV footage in the show from his personal camera. He clearly was like, camera crew, don't follow me. Like, don't don't come with me. But then he handed over the tape at the end of the day. And then, of course. But then you, what's really interesting, too, it's such a throwaway moment. They get out of the car. Dwight blindfolds Michael, spins him around, kind of walks him into the forest, and and uh, and uh, you know I think they I think he even says no cameras or something like that, and then he's like, then he gestures, come on, and he's like, stay back, but come on, like he just makes it, and it's like, what is his motivation for doing that? You know what? Like, why does Dwight need to be? Why do they feel this sense of like you got to see this? Like, you know. People who work on Survivor have talked about this of like, and people have been on Survivor too of like, you you really just you get very used to them in a way that you start to know what they also want and you realize everyone's life's going to be better if you guys are actually working together to get what mm. each other wants. Um, so I I think there would be an element of that eventually because you get so used to those cameras. I mean, even in in Survivor, man, they're they're that's on their what fourth year, like yeah. At that point, you're like. I know you guys are going to ask me to come, or I know you you know you guys want to see it, so I'll just I'll just tell you to, to yeah. come this way, for sure. I also think that Dwight likes to lead when put in a <laughs> dangerous scenario. He likes right. to assume the mantle of leadership. So there's an element of him kind of directing people in the field. It's similar to him leading uh, teaching the spin class. That's oh, look, actually that's lunch. a great point. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. He's already he's already envisioning the speech he gives later about <laughs> I will even. Oh. I Come will help him befall far harm. I will lead you into the wilderness. To I will capture even him. let yeah. him die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Quiet, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
uh, that's me. Next question. Next question from That's Mead. Uh, I love the moments when Michael clearly set up a shot or called ahead to make sure a camera would be ready for him. (laughs) One that comes to mind is the MSPC episode when they are outside waiting for him to pull up, blaring Lady Gaga so he can have his dramatic comeback, it's Britney bitch moment. What times can you think of where a character had to have a specifically asked for a camera crew to follow them or be somewhere before they arrived so that it could be filmed. Uh, I'm going to say when Dwight's dressed as the Joker, he's like, hey, get a shot of me from up top when the elevator opens. Because he comes out like already smiling. Yeah. (laughs) Right. He comes out ready to go. I think it's a lot of the, uh, I think the tearaway suit in the parking lot. Mm. (laughs) Oh, Jim is constantly being like, hey, like just keep an eye on Dwight for a little bit Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, Michael, of, of course, asked the camera crew to show up early that day that he asks Ryan to show up early. Mm-hmm. I, think they- mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I imagine Nellie got really comfortable with this right away. She just seems <laughs> like that might have been a perk of the job for her is that there's a crew filming. Uh, just, I don't know, might have been drawn to her. Uh, but I think her whole saber, I think uh, her whole presentation, she was very communicative with the cameras as to what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there's the scene in Boys and Girls when they all walk out the door to uh, mm-hmm. go down to the warehouse. That seems very staged, or it seems constructed in a way that we don't see characters leave the office that way very often, where right, they're yeah. framed directly walking out the door. And speaking of funny camera moments, that's the one where Toby like puts the hand up to his lips to like silence the camera and <laughs> yeah. just closes the door and doesn't go yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how about when... Um, it's Kelly's birthday and she chooses the nap and Dwight has the camera crew sneak back in to film her sleeping so that Dwight can come in and hit the, that's a good one. That's a very good one. <laughs> Cause it's like, it's going to be a better shot if you're already in there and like get her sleeping. Yeah. Sure. Cause why else if they were in there the whole time, just like <laughs> watching yeah. Kelly sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. How about the proposal? You think Jim asked them to set up a camera across the street from the gas station? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he asked Jim. them to build a gas station. Right? <laughs> <laughs> How much budget does PPS have? Uh, no, he totally. Because, like, he, he's going to, like, he uses. He asked them to help, finally. And he's yeah, like, season nine, yeah. Yeah, he's like, cut, to, cut me together this, my own DVD of footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, big ask there, Jim, of the editors. but mm-hmm. Again, journalistic integrity. Yeah. Shameful. <laughs> you think the you think the integrity move would just be like absolutely not? <laughs> yeah, Jim, seriously. Um, was someone else holding the camera and the ne- nepotism cold open? I always thought it was Toby. That's it what I did Toby. too. Yeah, it is right. Toby. So that's not. And he's they just used all their gear? Using one of the nice cameras. Yeah, they, I think they let him borrow the camera the day. Does anyone have a camera here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they had to make it up to him. Yeah, yeah they're like, just After don't yell that. again. Don't yell. Don't yeah. yell to me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Please. Fellas, I don't know why. I had that drop. I could have just played that. Oh, well. <laughs> no one has a camera here. <laughs> there we go. I got another question, and then we'll talk mm-hmm. about other mockumentaries. But I gotta mm-hmm. go to the bathroom again. I'm sorry. Wow! Right back. All right, it has to be urine. We're going so long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm actually going to start another question that uh, from a different email here. While Sean's doing this, sure, sure, sure. This is from Daniel, who actually 
Uh, actually, we uh, who else? Uh, Caitlin sent us this. A few people have sent us a version of this question. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but basically, like, what's my secret? Well, I'll tell you. It's a, it's a, it's a number of things, really. It's, a, it's about glowing. yeah. It's about sleep. It's about eating healthy, <laughs> exercise every day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but when when the employees finally watch the documentary. Um, and you actually see all the scenes that happen behind the, a lot of Creed stuff, st- stealing the blood, uh, trying to get another a fellow employee fired, his scheming, mm-hmm. his stealing. Like, what would have happened in the PR for Scoot Dunder Mifflin after they saw this documentary? I mean, they would have cleared house. Obviously, Creed gets his comeuppance, but uh, there's bigger fish <laughs> to fry for him. Do you think the editors just thought, ah, let's not put that in the PBS cut? That's... <laughs> bonus feature <laughs> i think yeah. i think that's what the pbs cut is is because uh they would have to be choosing to ruin the lives of a lot of people that they have relationships with. exactly exactly um, so to answer your questions uh for again a lot of people have sent us versions of this is like how would the company react i think that goes to that point of the P- that pbs version does, probably doesn't have all that stuff in there mm-hmm. um but we get to see it because we saw a different show than they did Oh, Sean sent a link. Let's check it out. Yeah, I wanted to play a voicemail. Hey, MSPC. Um, this is Tyler calling from Toronto. I'm so excited. You just announced that your next episode is going to be the documentary format. I've had a question for so long that I've been wanting to ask you guys about the documentary crew. And just oh, the whole way that they, that, that people outside of Dunder Mifflin interact with them and how they perceive them. For example, in The Sting, in Season 7, when Jim and Dwight are in the hallway uh, at the sales call, calling Michael, saying that they need him to come because Danny Cordray is there. Once they go out to talk to Danny, the film crew is obviously walking backwards, facing Jim and Dwight. So from Danny's point of view, he's sitting there in the lobby, and then an entire film crew... (laughs) starts heading into the room and then starts filming him yes and he just kind of acts like he doesn't really see them or it's just normal so i was just curious what you guys thought about moments like that um even when they go on the business trip and the entire film crew is like on the plane like do do the film crew like Mm. have to get plane tickets and (laughs) and get uh, clearance to be on a, on a plane Passports uh, with to Canada. these guys? Like, do they always need to get clearance ahead of time, even to go into, like, the schools International when filming they're doing permit. the watermark stuff? So I just wanted to get your thoughts um, on what you thought about how other people outside of Dunder Mifflin react. Mm-hmm. And obviously we have to um, feign a little bit of disbelief because it is a television show, but I just wanted to get your thoughts. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Thank you, Tyler. That's th- this is a great question. Yeah, how do how do other people view? I love this moment that you brought up of of Danny Cordray watching the and and considering where the camera people are that they would that he would see them walk in mm. first and not yeah, acknowledge yeah. them. Um, <clears throat> yeah, what do you what do you guys think about that? I my first thought is the person. My favorite reaction is is Nick Figaro, manager to the stars, who just hits him with the legal disclaimer right away. He just opens with like, "He's a pro, man. He's, he's a, a pro. pro. He's like, this isn't my first camera. Anymore. Are you quitting? <laughs> Sanitize your headset. Come back anytime." 
<laughs> we're a legit company. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bonded, licensed and bonded. <laughs> I do enjoy those moments when other people are suddenly forced to participate. Uh, the chili, the, 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 the Chili's manager is like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll yeah. sit down and give, I'll give you, a, yeah. I'll give you five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I do enjoy that, that kind of stuff for sure. But yeah, there, there is, it's met with different, like Jan always has some resentment. You can tell the way she looks at the camera every time early in the season. Uh, of course, leading up to my favorite shot of her, walking around the car in the tracksuit and glaring at the camera. <laughs> There's a little disdain from her. Um, Jane, David Wallace Jane really kind of hates the documentary. David Wallace say. is pretty tolerant. He acknowledges it sometimes, like he knows. Um, and of course, on phone calls, they'll ask, are the cameras there? Am I on camera now? No? So You're they- free to say whatever's in your heart. <laughs> uh, so they're clearly aware of whatever agreement Michael's made, but or whatever deal that they're they're doing, but um, they they don't like it, but they know they have to. So, but th- I mean, that's not quite what Tyler's asking because this is yeah. this is more like of like yeah, it's a TV show. That's why he didn't see some but. other moments that come to mind. Dwight visit visits Meredith in in the hospital in Fun Run season four episode one, and we get that doctor in training, technically a doctor who who makes a yeah. joke about well, that's where her cervix went or something Uterus. like that. Uterus went. Uterus. And, uh, and then, and then kind of look, he looks at looks, the camera as he walks mm-hmm. in. So certain people like to perform for the camera. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. It would be interesting to go back and look at all these people like, like mafia, uh, that, that guy, the insurance. John, John Grady. Is he performing for the camera? I mean, we know Bob Vance kind of performs for the camera when when he introduces himself. But yeah, why is Danny not acknowledging the camera here? And yeah, it'd be interesting to go back and look at all these. I think it's less. I mean, yes, yes, we can we can focus on these individual characters, but I think it's almost more about the actual everyday people because we never see a blurred face. So presumably. They've all signed a waiver of some kind. Yeah, yeah. That that's a joke. Actually, now, dude, that's a joke that should have been used at least once. <laughs> that they uh, blur someone who doesn't sign permit the permission yeah, slip. Yeah, and uh, yeah, everyone is just kind of okay with it. This is part of the camera, the camera crew element of it fading to the background. It's, it's it makes those moments seem a lot more real and less staged and less does everyone reacting to the fact that there's a camera in their face or that there's a camera on these two or three random people um but yeah it's, it's just funny to imagine because yeah there'll be times when the characters are walking backwards or the camera would have been walking backwards to get the shot or whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish mm. can you imagine when um in the beginning of viewing party when michael is walking around pretending to be he's in the west wing that a camera had to follow and <laughs> yeah. do that entire scene with him walking backwards in a yeah. circle yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah or I mean, it, and then and Bob Odenkirk calls him out specifically. He's like, "This is pretty cool." <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing Dylan. <laughs> I mean, there's and there's like when he when they go to other branches, it seems like they get, they call the head sometimes because you, you'll see him come yeah. into the branch or like, mm-hmm. you know, certainly Karen would be no stranger to it. Um, but they, yeah, it's like even in like Stanford didn't have quite the relationships to the cameras that, even though we don't get that much, uh, but the time we Jim's time there, there's not nearly what we see in in Scranton. Also, again, you wonder if uh, how people play in the basketball game and the volleyball game when they're on pressure being on camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's so true. Uh, yeah, great question. 
you guys yeah. yeah great question and and before we wrap up the show i think i think <laughs> we really wanted to talk about uh some of the other mockumentary shows that are out there now we did get some more questions uh maybe we'll address those on our on our next conference room or if That's there's more follow-up uh on this episode because it's a really interesting topic that i feel like we could talk a lot about, but I do, I do want to, if we, if you said a question, we didn't read your specifically. I hope we touched on the topic. Cause we got a lot of, of the same questions, like from mm -hmm. different people. So we sort of just tried to yeah, a couple kind of yeah. hit it all, mm -hmm. um, topic wise, mm -hmm. but yeah, um, thanks for sending everything in. But you know, just on this subject of the, of the documentary sitcom, the, the mockumentary format, uh, what do we want to say about some shows that are out there today? I think to me, thinking specifically of the ones that we've listed, Parks and Rec, Modern Family, and then Abbott Elementary. Abbott Elementary I haven't seen yet, but it seems like it's right up my alley, so I'm definitely excited to watch it. Um, but specifically with Parks and Modern Family, they're shows, that, they're, they're shows that aired at the same time that feel related, uh, obviously, with this kind of format. And I think what's interesting to me is like, how did they decide to conclude and to what extent did they ever acknowledge the documentary aspect of it? I think... Um, but yeah, I mean, I can tell you my thoughts, but I want to make sure. What do you guys think? <laughs> I I mean, my opinion is that the BBC office and the the NBC office did it right. And I want to just like back to Stephen Merchant's quote about not concerning yourself so much with the rules of the documentary. I, I think that I would like to see some of these new shows do more of that. Like Parks and Rec is over. And Concern themselves with the rules of the documentary. Even. Yeah, I think that it. I think that it's a great limitation to put on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I like to see characters edit themselves. I think that's a really interesting, like you know, you know, a lot of the movies we watch and a lot of the mm -hmm. TV, all this narrative stuff. You know, people are acting, and there there's not a camera there. They're acting as mm -hmm. if there's not a camera there. I think that's super interesting to have people act as if there's a camera in front of them and and uh and write dialogue that way too and and have people and I think it's so much more interesting as an audience member to find the subtext in what yeah. somebody someone is saying when we know that they're editing themselves. And I, and, and and then it makes the moments when they're not editing themselves that much more powerful and like compelling. Yeah. Because exactly. we, we see that written, we see that too. And, and in, in, in real documentaries, those are often those moments that are saved for the end when you see a character have some sort of catharsis or something confronting something that the whole documentary has been about. Um, mm -hmm. It's those times when they break through that and suddenly they're not edited that you get that, that character that we've been looking for. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what The Office is, is, is like they say, why are you still filming us? Like, we're kind of just interested in you guys now. Like, we're sort of just, we like you. Like, I want to see where your story goes. Um, and that, that's why we watch stuff, right? I mean, I think one thing that's interesting about Parks is that they don't ever allude to it. And Mike, sure, they asked yeah. him if he ever, if they, if he thought that they needed to. He says, no, nah, I don't think so. And of course they don't. Um, yeah. At the same time, they aren't as locked in because they don't interact with the cameras so directly as they do in the, in the, in the office. Look, I, right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that that's totally fine. I, I, like, most documentaries you watch, they're not going to be like, well, now that I got you guys here and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like you're not, most documentaries don't address that there's a documentary being made during it. 
Um, but at the same time, I think parts didn't give themselves rules as much as the office seemed to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I agree that when you add in the layer of the documentary, there's an element of making the characters feel more real. The, the idea of like, how do you present or how do you like act when a camera is on you is, is super interesting. It's a detail, but at, at the same time, I guess it just says a counterpoint, like a show like modern family is totally free to kind of like, tell whatever story they want, provide whatever shot yeah. they want. And you never have to worry about like, well, why didn't the cameraman do this? Or why did the cameraman person do this? Like, it's just a different experience. I think like, I mean, I don't know nearly as much, or I haven't looked into as much as the, of the production of Modern Family, but I think, I think initially like one of the premises, premise, like one of the ideas was that it was like an exchange student who was living with one of the families and was filming things. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think, one thing that's interesting about having The Office as this big predecessor is that other shows could do something like this and just have characters that look into the camera, have the talking heads without having to be locked into like, because the other thing is if you have the documentary crew there, then it is, then how do you, then like, how do you end a show without acknowledging it in a certain way, the way that, you know, like you say you want them to have journalistic integrity. So then how does the show end? It just ends? I mean, yeah, I mean, news articles don't end with, and then I, I, the journalist, stepped in and wrote this article about them, and now you know about it. And that is how the story ends. Like, mm -hmm. it's not, that's not how this, you know, mm -hmm. I think it could have right, just but... been about, like you were saying earlier, I mean, season nine is full of all these storylines. It could have just been about that. We don't need the documentary. We've already got like Jim and Pam having some difficulties and stuff like that. I don't think that it ever needs to be addressed that it's coming out. It wouldn't make sense. You would shoot it and then edit it for like twice as long as you shot it for. Mm -hmm. 18 years. I think, <laughs> I think, and I'm not trying to like, I'm just, I'm just trying to like kind of, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, no, talk I, it I, out. But like, I yeah, think yeah. if you acknowledge the, if you put in that, that documentary element enough, at some point you might need to, reference it like parks and rec mm. like you said they didn't they didn't really acknowledge like they never they don't have enough lines about there being a camera crew or whatever in this space they're just kind of you know they're just kind of being who they are um but like i guess it does kind of lend like how do you end it if you have if you have it as a big inclusion or as a big feature like how do you end it because i don't feel I, like we've got i don't feel like we have a good example of that I, I, within I, any of these sitcoms i agree because it's we not a news article it's not a yeah. movie it's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i agree yeah. we don't have a good example of it and yeah. and i'm sitting here frustrated wondering <laughs> why we can't just make a show where it's like we know secretly that the characters know that a documentary is being made but we're not going to address it like you know it's it just it doesn't need to be addressed like it's like but it, it, it doesn't it shouldn't be that either you have the office where it ends with the documentary coming out and you see like all the effects of that or you have parks and rec where no one ever acknowledges that a camera is in the room or ever edits themselves when a camera is in the room or makes a look like why am i on camera all of a sudden and stuff like that i just I, th that's what i'm saying i think that it's i think we, that there's this sweet spot that no one has seemed to find yet where we, the show is written within the rules of all these people know there's a documentary being made about them and there's a whole camera crew in front of them, which is a, a lot, you know, it's, it, I mean, like we have, a, but like we do have a version of the office. That's that the BBC version is that yeah, like the BBC version ends 
Right. The, re- the second season, not yeah. the Christmas special that actually ends it, but the end of the second season, it does just I, drop your heart and it ends because J- Tim doesn't get Dawn and it's just like, oh my God, it's over. And then the, and then the Christmas special, uh, it, it, it follows all the rules by saying, it picks up with David Brent being like, since the documentary aired, they just go to like after it and now yeah. that he's a he's traveling he's a traveling salesman you know selling the cleaning products or whatever i mean and and like i have to say too because abbott elementary now i'm remembering they address very clearly that the documentary is being funded by the principal and you know everybody is totally acknowledging that there's cameras there and stuff like that so you know right. my point or earlier, they want to make a something about public education in philadelphia they're like yeah. they want to make a it just uh, it, sh- show or something about it. It just again, it's like I just I do wish that you know it's like well if you were really doing that you wouldn't include all this <laughs> like yeah. footage of anyway. So I I think it, it's an exhausting topic to talk about. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, the, sure. the, the, I imagine the, it was an exhausting topic to listen to as well. The oh my ethics gosh, yeah. of making a <laughs> mockumentary sitcom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you let us take a week off, week off. You're getting a, mm-hmm. you're getting a two hour app. Yeah, mm-hmm. a mockumentary <laughs> but, of a sitcom, and we made a mockery of an episode. <laughs> but oh, but God. look, I'm just I just, kidding. I I think we're running. We're probably running long, and this is probably oh. like, getting really exhaustive. But. People just fall asleep I, to us in I, the first twenty minutes. I mm-hmm. don't care because <laughs> this is. I we, don't we set, care. <laughs> I don't care because we set out to make this podcast to get the, to the bottom of why we love The Office so much over all these other shows, and I think that this is really, really, really important that it's yeah. it, that it is this docu that is this format, and that maybe they're the only ones who have gotten it right so far, except for season nine. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's I a mean, fun, yeah. I, yeah. It's a fun topic, kind of endless almost in terms of like how you want to mm-hmm. unpack it and think about it, think about future shows and that kind of thing. I mean, really good mockumentaries, like of just movies, like they have the additional sandbox of, all right, all of that, but just in two hours or an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, it's generally more successful in that format. I would, I, you would agree. I, I assume like a good mockumentary, like all of Christopher Guest's movies are all really good and very successful movies. Yes. Uh, with the exception of Mascot, which I thought was terrible. Uh, but uh, his latest one. Yeah, I didn't see that. I haven't seen uh, it. It's not good. Anyway, uh, the, putting that out into a show, again, that's like why the BBC works. Uh, they just did two seasons. It's like 12 episodes and a Christmas special. Mm-hmm. So it's just that sandbox we're talking about is even smaller. Uh so it's the scale that makes this yeah. difficult to a show that's getting renewed for multiple seasons. It just makes it difficult to follow those rules that you're talking about. So the the answer is, yeah, like make it so there has to be less of it and then you can follow the rules better. I mean, I think what it comes down to. Alex, I just realized we never even mentioned Trailer Park Boys, which is another great mockumentary. I am <laughs> so glad you brought that up because that came out before The Office, the BBC oh, Office. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. I brought this up before. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about following rules, dude, uh, and not really ever getting to that point? Watch. Yeah. <laughs> the first seven seasons of Trailer Perfect Park Boys. Perfect example. Perfect example. Is, is a 10 out of 10 execution of this format. <laughs> uh, that is so. You're like, why would they be making this? Because look at these guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they all play to the camera. Everyone's performing. And it's... Is there a theory it's... about why they why they made that documentary? No, no one cares. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Uh, well, guys, I mean, there you go. I maybe this is this was a big one, and and I hope that uh, I hope that you enjoyed listening to it. Um, if you have anything that you'd like to add, please hit us up. Uh, call us. Yeah, like said, three. We did get a lot of a lot of stuff about this. Um, we <clears> did try and hit it all. It's. I mean, we could do an entire Scott's Tot voicemail or a mailbag just about this topic. too. That's kind of how I'm feeling about it. I yeah. th- We did get a few other questions. Maybe we'll get more after this. So maybe we'll do a full mailbag just in response mm-hmm. to this episode, which would help if you called us at 503-694-9314, or you can email us mspodcastcompany at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram, although those calling us and emailing us is the best preferred way to get away. Yes, yes. Preferred way uh, to reach us. Our bandwidth to like keep up with Twitter and Instagram uh, and Facebook is very low. So as you may have seen, if you've tried apologize. to message us on any of those platforms. Yeah. Like email is the best way. Email yeah, is great. If you yeah. put it right in the subject, documentary, trivia, you know, whatever. I mean, Edwin's that's the best. <laughs> yeah. The Ed Wintro. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Alex is underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you guys want to say. I don't think we've yeah. seen any of this. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> We're opening uh, the floodgates. Uh, we have a website. Sean's by- low key hot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All the YouTube comments. <laughs> Smoke that skin wagon says. <laughs> I think Andy is butt. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right, Texas Poon Tappa and Jason, Jason, Jason. <laughs> That's the, my favorite is Jason, Jason, Jason. <laughs> uh, check out our website, michaelscottpod.com. Check out our store, mspstore.com. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash michaelscott. Become a Scott's Tot, five bucks a month. Uh, you'll join, uh, you'll get a mailbag episode every month. You get ad-free uh, main feed episodes you get bonus content like our ted lasso season two podcast uh and some other exciting things coming up in the future we donate to the thurgood marshall college fund uh, through that patreon fund so thank you so much to our scott's tots for supporting the show mm. uh, thank you to ryan lloyd who designs all of our artwork uh our our show intro is recorded by edwin james and alex ward uh, this episode That's was, us. was recorded yeah. over video chat. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far in this episode, thank you wow. for listening. <laughs> I think this has to be our longest episode on record. And it's pretty exciting, um, given how long we've been doing the show, that we can still find different things to talk about. And then we can still kind of get into these sort of impassioned debates uh, within uh, amongst ourselves uh, about topics like this and about the show that we love so much. But uh, the, the, more... the word I would use to describe this episode was passionate. <laughs> Uh, and there's the smudgeness Uh, but but really and truly just thanks for listening and for supporting us for hanging out with us Um, the fact that we get to do this uh, is is amazing and never um, it's never lost on me it's never lost on us so uh, just know that we appreciate you uh, and uh, it really that's true. Edward and I still we like we talked about it this weekend at the beach. Like whenever we get together, we all still are like, can you believe that like people are so nice and cool? And we get to do this. Look at us. That's, yes. Look at Genuine. us. <laughs> can you believe it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But just just thank you from the bottom of our hearts. So take care. Uh, stay safe. We'll see you next week. Hippity poppy, give me this up. Yes, yes, sir. sir. <laughs>
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.